Hello everybody, and welcome to another episode of Gateway to Cinema, the spin-off of the far more popular podcast reboot already underway, The Mystic Knights of Turnanog, the main podcast's Power Rangers. I am unfamiliar with both of those, <laughs> so... You don't know Power Rangers? Like I, like I know Power Rangers, I never watched it though. Well, maybe if you had watched the film adaptation, you wouldn't have lost our competition last year. Well, okay. All right. Full court press, Aaron. Full court press. Again, a sports term. A a sports term I don't understand, but I will keep using it. I know Power Rangers. I don't know sports terms. (laughs) Well, I know neither. (laughs) So. But, yeah. That's, I don't know more of an introduction you need than that, but we're going to yeah, say games anyway. Yeah. I'm Aaron Hahn, joined as always by Jacob Lacey. Uh, I, again, I, I say this on the Thursday show, but I do want to say it again here. Um, there were no dolls in this film. And I was promised a whole fistful of doll hairs. And I saw no one do that. And that's our show. Join us next week. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't. We can't do that this week. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm more this, ready than I've ever been. Ready. I'm excited that you're excited to talk about one of the films from the list of 100 movies I made for you to watch. Films that are interesting introductions to the larger world of cinema. Mm. And this week, if you couldn't tell from uh, Lacey's, uh, let's call it a joke. Let's just be favorable. And I'll take it. Give him a give him a pity laugh, which you will also hear about on the main podcast. I think I don't know if that made it in, but it'll make it in. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're gonna talk about a fistful of dollars. <clears throat> yes. So, Lacey, I'm sure you want to dig into this film, but to start us off with what you knew going in, and what you thought of it. Alright, well, going in, I I knew it was a western. I knew it was one of the iconic westerns. But other than that, I knew nothing. So, it's pretty fun. I knew that there were dolls in it, however, I was misled. Uh, So you didn't know that? Well, I had assumed there were dolls in it. Because it's a Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah, and he's just like he, he always has dolls <laughs> lying around his movie. Cause he's like can't get bothered to hire a real baby. No, hire so a baby. I've never. I, I, I have a one take director. So yeah, we're doing this and we're doing it with the doll. We're doing it live. <laughs> <laughs> I I've never even thought of it being that way, hiring a baby. But yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> I've never even thought. Yeah, that's just funny to me. <laughs> I mean, that's, where do you think they're getting these babies from? I don't know. I just, it's, I never really think about it, but whenever a baby's on there, I'm like, oh yeah, that's obviously a baby. But I never even really thought about that they're hiring those babies. I guess I don't know where I thought they were getting the babies from, but they are hiring them. That's really funny. Lacey, do we need to have a discussion about where babies come from? Yeah. Right here on the podcast? The birds, the bees, and the abandoned buildings, am I right? Yeah, we... (laughs) Uh, I thought we had covered this. <laughs> yeah, you we know, did. You, you, you go to town in the you abandoned building. You go to building. town in the abandoned <laughs> building. Um, but anyway, what I thought about it, I thought, this movie is really freaking good. Really loved it. 
enjoyed my time. And we'll get to more of uh, more of that later in the spoilers. But I just want to say it's just a good time. Clint Eastwood, good actor. Is he a good actor? I can't tell. I can't tell if he's a good actor from this movie. But he is an enjoyable actor, I guess. Is, would it be fair to call him the 60s Chris Pratt? I, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. To be fair. I, I, to be, I think to that'd be, fair, be more of a disservice to uh, Clint Eastwood than Chris Pratt. No, I know. That, I, I, all I'm saying is, to be fair, we don't have the later parts of Chris Pratt's career in our in our minds yet. So it's hard to make a complete judgment Jurassic call. Jurassic Park. 72. 17. Oh, 72. I, I think he has big stuff coming, Chris Pratt. I, I think he can do drama if he's really going to try. Um, Passengers, too. Oh, God. All right. This well, time even not, creepier. This time. Oh, no. <laughs> let's, let's just leave it at that. Oh, no. <laughs> Passengers, too. Too many passengers. <laughs> um. But yeah, I thought Clint Eastwood was enjoyable. I thought uh, that just the story and, and the way the, his character is in the film, it's hard to get to because mm, mm, I have something, but I, I, we can't get to it until the spoiler section. So I don't want to like repeat myself for later, but also... Um, Really enjoyable. Just a real good time. I like westerns when they're done well. I, you know, I've only seen good westerns. High Noon. Django Unchained. Right, we kind of, we watched two of the westerns. There's a lot of westerns on this list because I'd made this after I'd taken my western film class, which I'm sure I'll talk more about later, but... yeah. The westerns we've watched so far, kind of like the revisionist westerns, yeah, where it's very much you know Django Unchained is like coming and taking the whole Tarantino spin on all of it, and Blazing Saddles is obviously a parody of the genre, and Fistful of Dollars is also in a sense revising what the western is, but uh, it is definitely one of the more kind of classic like lone gunslinger rides into town archetype mm-hmm. things that we've seen yeah i'm excited to, i'm excited to hear more because again i just watched this today i don't know the the symbolism of it all if there is symbolism i'm assuming there is or else it probably wouldn't have been on the list where's the symbolism in blade 2 aaron <laughs> uh it's symbolic of Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, why'd you put it on the list? I'm, I'm interested. Because of all the symbolism, was that why? Well, I think that might be something we talk about. Because I think what's fun about the Dollars trilogy is that it, it's still symbolic in certain respect. And it's still playing with these archetypes. But it's doing so in such a weird way compared to other Westerns. Where it's just... It's so cartoonish, mm-hmm. in a sense. Yeah. And I was talking about this uh, when I watched uh, For a Few Dollars more recently. I was talking about it on the main podcast, like how cartoonish the guns are portrayed 
in the film, and it's just weird watching it. It's mm-hmm. like that's that's not how guns work. Yeah. It's, that's that's not how guns work, but it's so entertaining. And yeah. Like I wish guns worked that way. <laughs> All right. But yeah, no, I had, as I mentioned, I had just taken a class on the Western genre shortly before writing this list initially, and before I took the class, I think I talked about this on maybe one of the other podcasts or something but before i took the class i did not like the western at all like the genre i thought like westerns were just like boring films i had no interest in them and i thought this without having seen like a single western yeah and i i don't know why well there's not but, lasers in it i understand yeah. it's it's, uh, it's not <laughs> exciting it's all just like shades of brown and yeah horses and are there and stuff ew gross horse but, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but then the the class just, like, completely changed my mind, because kind of, like, digging into what the Western genre means, mm-hmm. and, like, how these films are, they're all, like, doing the same thing, but they're also playing with the, these variations within these archetypes and within these uh, plot outlines that kind of build up this huge mythology. And I thought, you know, it just completely changed my outlook and, like, made me really appreciate film more and eventually led to the screenplay that I wrote for my capstone project for graduation. So this is, like, something that carried through all of my education and carried through all my, like, film viewing ever since watching this class. So I thought... I wanted to at least include a good portion of my favorite films from the class on this list because I wanted you to kind of have, hopefully, some... not You can't have exactly the same experience because you're not having, like, this academic study of the Western and you're not, like, doing it in this fast-paced environment where you're, like, watching two films out... You're you're watching, like, three or four films a week and then, like, really digging into them or whatever. But, yeah, I hope that... I don't, I don't know how you felt about the Western. How do you feel about the Western? Uh, before I started watching them, uh, I didn't think much about them at all. <laughs> so, there was that. You, you were probably in a very similar position to what I am. Yeah. So, I'm hoping that by kind of showing you these films and talking about them a little more, maybe you will also cultivate this appreciation for it like I did. Yeah. And specifically why I put a fistful of dollars on this list is just because it's, it's really fun. It's, yeah. it's just such a fun cinematic movie, you know? And it's, it is. It's like, this is kind of like what you want to see out of a Western. Like, the big uh, gunfights and, like, the whole, like, morally questionable actions and mm-hmm. all this. And, like, the extreme close-ups and the landscape <laughs> shots, like, oh, contrasted don't worry. with each other. We'll get to the like, close-ups. We will this, get to the this, close-ups. This is, this is great, so... <laughs> I... It's just such a fun movie, and you're right, Clint Eastwood is just so good on this. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited to hear what you were excited about for this film. So, if you've not seen this film yet, recommended by the both of us. If you have seen it or just don't care, we're going to talk about it now a little in-depth with spoilers. That is right. So, Aaron, we've been getting very off track recently. I mean, I still think we have some some meaningful conversations about stuff, but I wanted to introduce me, like, taking notes, 
during the movie. Um, notes that are a little bit more stream of consciousness than, like, actual, like, oh, nice shot. Ooh, the way they did that zoom. <laughs> it was, like, a real good. But, um, just to try, try and keep us on track a little bit more. Uh, so, the best place to start with that, I think, would be the beginning. Um, and that title sequence, oh boy, it's beautiful. It, it's mm-hmm. simplistic, but in the best way. Um, there's, I don't even know what kind of animation you'd call that. It's like, I don't even know. I don't, know. I don't either. But it, it looks, it looks like paper foldouts. I know it's not, but it looks like, oh, there's like a time you see the guy shoot the other guy and he like falls over and like it crumples into a little paper. And it's like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I don't know. It was, it's just one of those things and you're hearing that score, that good, good score. And it just, it, it brought me into the movie and I was like, I like this. So that was a good start. <clears throat> so this is when we first see uh, Clint Eastwood's character, Joe, for the first time. Um, <laughs> I wrote, I've known old Clint Eastwood for so long that seeing him as a young man, admittedly quite handsome, is weird to me. <laughs> like, I was like, this guy's really good looking. How is this Clint Eastwood? I'm so used to seeing him yelling you, you, at you an empty think chair. Year old Clint Eastwood is a... <laughs> He's a silver He's fox, to be sure. <laughs> but you know, once you see a man yell at a chair, pretending it's Barack Obama, you can't come back from that. <laughs> I don't know. I think he's it's ruined from that point forward. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's weird. He does, like, Scott Eastwood does look a lot like him when he was younger, but also doesn't have any of the charisma. None of the charisma, none of the charm, none of, none of anything that makes Clint Eastwood so good in this movie. Like, to the point where I completely forgot that Scott Eastwood was even a human while I was watching this. Well, as soon as you said well, that, I'm I mean, like... You didn't, know, you didn't know who he was in uh, Pacific Rim 2. Yeah, I you're, totally you're, thought it was Charlie like, Hunnam. Was he in the first one? Was that the same guy? <laughs> Watched the entire movie and didn't know? I'm it's like... like if anything is the perfect way to describe Scott Eastwood, it's the fact that you could watch Pacific Rim 2, the entire movie, and not know that there was a different character. <laughs> I'm like, oh, they must have had a history after Pacific Rim, because why are they acting like they know each other? I don't get it. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. So, I also wrote, I finally understand Obi Doyle grabbing the pole with his legs in Hail Caesar. Because when the horse is, is, uh, they shoot at the horse that he's riding, and he grabs onto the pole, and the horse goes the other way. It's just kind of like, oh, okay. That's a nice little nod, I think, that they do in Hail Caesar. That was... Pretty nice. I was like, ah, I got it. Again, this is very stream of consciousness. Because <laughs> nope, I'm just course, jotting course. stuff down trying to pay attention as much as I can. Okay, set design is amazing in this movie. Um, I noticed it all the way through. Uh, the first time I really noticed it is when he goes into the saloon for the first time. And something as... So, like, the worst thing in movies, I feel like, is when everything looks too clean if that makes sense it's the thing that breaks the prequels of star wars 
the CGI looks awful because everything is so clean. I mean, it looks awful to begin with, but it looks extra worse because everything is too perfect. Um, what was I just watching that it seemed the same way? Either way, there's not any of that meticulous detail in it sometimes that, that you need to really fully immerse in the story. And I think that the saloon is like dripping in detail. They're, they're walking up the stairs onto the balcony and the middle of the balcony is like broken there. And it's not like a clean, it's not like, oh, it's just missing there. There's like a real break in it. There's just shards of wood sticking out. There's writing on the walls. Um, just everything was super well detailed. And I'm like, oof, that's good. This made me real happy. I don't know why. I feel like I'm, I feel like when I, when I see bad set design, I don't really say anything about it. Cause I'm like, oh, whatever. But when I see good, what's well, good stuff, I'm like, oh, you gotta, you gotta praise it because it's just too good to, too good to pass up. I mean, this this isn't really related to, it's it's somewhat related to set design, but just going off of like the setting of the film. I mean, it's just kind of interesting to note that you're like, are you aware of like the spaghetti western? Mm-hmm. And, like, that this film was shot in Italy because it's, like, they just, like, could cheaply make these films that, right. like, had the look and feel of the Wild West. And because <laughs> the Western was so popular in America, they're like, we can do that. We can do that better. And then it does, like, make yeah. their own film. <laughs> and it's just, it's great. But... I love it. Um, let's but, see. yeah, if you, were, if you were wondering why you're, why the dubbing doesn't always work it's because a lot of the actors were still speaking italian so that makes sense that makes sense okay all right uh let's see the dialogue feels delightfully modern and the humor to match especially the scene where he's like i need three coffins and then he goes and he kills four people he walks back Sorry, I was wrong. Four coffins. <laughs> he just walks away. It's it's like modern in the best way, and that it doesn't it didn't take me out of it. To where I'm like, okay, no one would say that back then. Although, I me, mean, I don't know. I don't know how people talked back in the old west. But also at the same time, it's not born they, like they usually said things like howdy, howdy y'all. Yeah, and, he's uh, like this town ain't big enough for the both of us. Well, now so. they flip that even. <laughs> Because yeah, later, yeah. he's like, this town's big enough for two families, or whatever he says. I'm like, wow, okay. You're throwing everything. Um, and then I just got really in my 60s mode, where I'm like, Marion Cook is gorgeous. Why is everyone in 60s movies so gorgeous? My God, everyone in 60s movies are gorgeous. <laughs> From Clint Eastwood all the way to Marion Cook. All of them. And I'm like, what is happening? What is wrong with the 60s? Was everyone just drinking pretty water or something? I don't know. It was Italy. Italy did it to him. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Definitely not that they only let... (laughs) I'm just going to continue. Great gag. Joe peeks his head in the stagecoach and a gun pushes him back out. I just thought, hmm, it's a classic, but you got to throw it out there every time. You're like, hmm, get on so, this is when I wrote, and then I realized <laughs> it wasn't true, but I had already written it, so I'm like, okay, well, might as well just leave it in. Um, it's when they're all at the river, 
and, uh, what's his name? Sorry. Ramon. And Ramon uh, is disguised as the American army and they mow down the Mexican army basically with the chain gun. Um, I wrote, of course you can't trust the American military. (laughs) I was proven wrong. (laughs) Let me just point that out. (laughs) I was proven wrong. So that's just a and I wrote, Joe is just an overall badass. The man, the man's man archetype that I can see. Oh, wait. He, uh, I just, again, stream of consciousness. Joe is just an overall badass. He's the man's man archetype that I can see why it was so popular for so long. It makes you feel like macho watching him do this stuff. It really does. And, like, I totally, like, I get it. It's one of those things that's like, yeah, it sucks. And it probably isn't the best. But also at the same time, you feel really good while watching him do his stuff. I mean, yeah, that's kind of like the the odd part of this film is that, you know, sh- should we idolize <laughs> Clint Eastwood? Because it, it, it's, it's just like when, when I'm talking about Dirty Harry on the, on mm-hmm. the main podcast this week. Just this whole idea that, like, this dude... Is doing some really messed up things a lot of the time, <laughs> and, but you're just like, it, it just, but it just appeals to that aspect of all of us that we, we in, mm-hmm. in all of us, where we're just like, we want to, we want to be that person who has the skill to kind of, yeah, make just, the world and, their own, basically. He, he, he can play both sides and yeah. get away with it because he's just that good, <laughs> but at the same time. He's he's is is he a hero, or is he just you know, is is he an antihero? Is he a villain? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But. Uh, that also leads into like Joe's plan to have the two families meet each other at the graveyard was like so good. Like just it's one of those plans that's like really smart, but also like you watch it play out and you kind of feel smart watching it. It's the same thing. Like I said, it feeds into the last one where it's just like. Joe's so cool, <laughs> but again, like, maybe not, but also, he's pretty cool, <laughs> so, um, let's see, oh yeah, I, I guess I was just really obsessed with Joe for a minute, because then I write, Joe has an Indiana Jones thing going on, and I love it, which I guess is kinda, it's a nice to see where, like, characters, I mean, like, there's very, there's a ton of Indiana Jones-isms in this movie, I think, and it's fun to see where, parts of that character came from in films like this. So. Let me just. Yeah. I mean, you gotta watch the classics so you can understand. Yeah. Because, like, now you can also appreciate uh, Back to the Future Part 3 so much more, you know? Right, right. You're right. just like, oh, that's that's where Marty McFly got that idea from. Now I know. Uh, yeah. Alright, so I wrote, the 60s, when you could punch a woman in the face and not really feel all that bad about it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot <laughs> someone could say about the uh, treatment of women in the entirety of the Western genre. But, yeah. <laughs> it was one of those things, I was just, 
I was sitting watching, David's next to me, he's playing a game, and as soon as he punches him, I'm like, Jesus, like, oh my god! <laughs> and she, like, never has a black eye or anything, she, she just punch like, it's full force, like, he's moving at her, <laughs> and she just, like, goes up against the wall, and gives one of, like, the, like, the, the po- audience, podcast can't see this, but she goes to, like, what? <sighs> and then it falls to the ground, like, no, she, he knocked your lights out, lady, like, you're, ugh. yikes. That was that was weird. Uh, they wrote the dubbing in this film is really weird. But yeah. right, like like I said, like half of the uh, actors are speaking Italian and half of them are speaking English. Yeah, so it's, it's not like if if you watch like like any other foreign film where it's like it was entirely filmed in one language. Like if you watch a Godzilla film, and you're like, oh okay. The dubbing's all off. It's like, okay, because they're speaking Japanese, and now it's dubbed into English. But mm-hmm. this is, they designed these foreign English-speaking audience because they wanted to capitalize on the West, the success of the Western. And so they have the, the people who can speak English speaking English because yeah. then they don't have to dub over those ones, even though I think they still did. Some of them they definitely did. They definitely did. What they did is they still redubbed all of the dialogue. Okay. Is, is that easier? I can't believe that would be easier. To redub all it, of it? It might be just like it saves on... You don't have to... Uh, have mics running film, when you you're filming? You don't have to have the, yeah, film the sound while you're actually doing the... Mm, yeah, I guess that's not... The rest of the movie. Yeah, okay. You have to be really good at dubbing at that point then, though. And, like, it was never to the point where I'm like, ooh, this is bad. It was always just like, something feels off. <laughs> like, yeah. I couldn't put my finger on it. I was like, what's going on here? Um, then I wrote ki- the kid crying uh, about the, the... I can't remember her name now. Marianne. Ma- Marianne Cook's kid in the movie or whatever. Um, crying was also dubbed, but at the time, again, I didn't know it. And I'm like, that just sounds like a 30-year-old man pretending to be a kid. Like, crying. <laughs> it might have been. <laughs> I wrote, uh, Clint Eastwood's stance is weird. I like it. He does have a weird stance. I don't know if you've noticed. He, like, leans really heavy on his right leg. Um, oh, So, like, yeah. his left shoulder's way higher. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I noticed that. But I was just like, I want to stand like that. That would be pretty cool. But I don't, <laughs> because I like having somewhat decent posture. Uh, yeah, so, alright. So, the proverb that Ramon tells... Uh, Joe can't be real. There's no way that's a real proverb. <laughs> about like, oh, if, uh, if, if a man with a rifle and a man with a pistol meet, the man with the rifle will win every time. I'm like, that doesn't sound like a proverb. That sounds like something you came up with off the top of your head. <laughs> Just to make him feel bad about using a pistol. Aren't those what all proverbs are, though? Something someone just came up with off the top of their head one day? I mean, I guess... But it was it was just the air of authority that he said it with. Ancient Mexican uh, proverb. <laughs> like, ah, yes. The man with the rifle. Guns aren't that old. <laughs> this can't be an ancient proverb. <laughs> like, alright. Uh, so, <laughs> I was going to introduce something else. Where I was going to take a, a clip of something. Uh, there's just not much in this movie that I thought... See, the thing is, everything sounds right with the dubbing, 
It's just when you mix it with the with the visuals, it seems weird. So I, I couldn't really clip that and make it sound weird. And I was going to do, mm-hmm. like, the kid, but I'm like, eh, whatever. Um, but the one I wanted to get, but I was just like, I don't think we'd be able to use it very often, uh, was the the flute noise that happens every time. I, I can't even describe it, but it's like this flute hit. And it's like every time anything happens, he opens his eyes, flute hit. He moves one arm, flute hit. It's like, oh, my God. What is going on? <laughs> it's not it's not that bad. So then, uh, <clears throat> this is when he, all right, so then Joe, you know, he's going to, he's going to save, uh, Mariosa, I believe her name was, um, and he walks into that room, and he has his gun out, and then some guy does a spin move to try and fire at Clint Eastwood, instead of just standing there and firing, um, it was not effective, he died, (laughs) like, the spin move was absolutely not effective, I give him points for flair, but it did nothing. <laughs> so, um, and then you remember, you remember when we were talking about the Great Wall and how David was always said that uh, Matt Damon is like barely throwing his shield down the hallway. Like it looks like yeah. he's not even throwing it that hard. So uh, at one point, Clint Eastwood throws a machete just barely, and it goes clean through someone, <laughs> like yeah. halfway through somebody. <laughs> I mean that. <laughs> Kind of what I'm talking about with like the cartoonishness yeah. of a lot of this film, especially like the violence. Like it's all about just like what's more exciting than what makes sense. Right? Yeah, I loved it, but it was pretty funny. I was just like in all capitals, like oh my god, I can't believe that happened. Uh, then we've got, of course, Chico went to the Prometheus School of running away from things um, because he stands right in front of that barrel throws his hands up in the air, and goes, No! And the barrel falls on him and kills him. Like, just move to the left, man. Too late for that. And I guess it must have been. Um, they wrote, Justin Bieber hair guy bent backwards over that barrel is just unintentionally funny. It's, like... Too funny because his eyes are still open and his mouth is wide open, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Like he, he's obviously not dead. <laughs> like it's, he's just, oh man, that was too good. And then uh, my final note is those hard zooms on Ramon every time he looks confused, and then I write priceless F you Ramon. <laughs> so that was those zooms were intense because it started and it would be one zoom and i'm like oh okay he's confused and they did it again and it got even closer and i'm like oh wow he's very confused and there's one that's like right up on his eyes and i'm like oh my god he's so confused he can't even he's bewildered right now <laughs> that's all he can he can't even understand how this man is still walking That's that, those are my notes. Maybe I'll bring them back again next week, but we'll see. Those, I don't know if that was good. Notes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't even. I, we covered a lot of it. I yeah. Mean, we went from the beginning to the end, which is yeah. how one normally does these things. Although we never have. We only. <laughs> we only have. Uh, well, that's that's true too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> This is the most uh, organized we've ever been. (laughs) It's almost confusing. I don't know what to do now. Like, what do we do now? But uh, but I was also going to say it's interesting 
kind of that that this is the one where we have like that order and structure because as I was talking to you about when I when I watched for a few dollars more, like there's only two of the films in the trilogy on this list, mm-hmm. and that's because they all work like independent of one another. And there's also this question of like when they take place kind of thing. Okay. Like there's kind of like this subtle hint that the good, the bad, and the ugly is actually like the first film chronologically. And that leads into a fistful of dollars. So it's just, I mean, we'll talk about this a little more when we actually watch the good, the bad, and the ugly, but it's just, Hmm. I don't know. I just, I just always be a good point to mention that if we're talking about how this podcast is now ordered and structured, we're still going to get a bit disorganized when yeah. we cover. Oh, yeah. We skip yeah. the middle entry in this trilogy and go to the third one, which is technically the first one. <laughs> so there it is. I, I am going to watch the second one before we do the third one, though, just because mm-hmm. I'm interested. Like I said, it would have been on the list had I seen it at the time. There it is. Because we, we just didn't have enough time in the actual Western film class to watch the entire trilogy. Hmm. But, yeah, I watched for a few dollars more on my own the other day, and it's it's really fun. It's really fun. Nice. <laughs> I don't, like I said, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> like we've never we've never done it like this it's yeah what, what's what's going on we don't have uh we didn't have any like personal anecdotes about uh unrelated high school uh, well we can you want we didn't and... let's see what 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 happened in high school that was kind of related to was there something where we were playing both sides i don't i don't think we had like a both sides thing to play no. at high school. It was kind of like it was. You play this like side, clicks, or you are. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It, yeah. It's like there was like an inside and there was an outside, and we were definitely the outside. <laughs> well, yeah, but we definitely played that side pretty well. I think that's true. We were like we were like the cool outsiders, where it's like the insiders respected us as yeah. the outsiders. You know? Sure. Let's we can I, tell ourselves I, that. I think so. I think so. I, I think they were like they're doing their own thing. We gotta get David. We, we gotta like get David in that here. way. But we respect you, David. You're, you're not you're not the, like the lowest part on the totem pole kind of thing. David was an insider, so let's get David's opinion let's, here. Let's, I think we need it. Yeah, David. Is he right. still awake? Yeah, he's he's out here. He's playing Fortnite. Yeah, podcast. You're listening. You're listening to David right now, uh, David. So you were an insider in high school. Now we're now we're da- now we're Aaron and I the respected outsiders. Why was why the, why the hell? No, 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 no. No, this is. We're respected how? Like, like they respected that we were like the leaders of the outsiders. Is that what I? Is that what I'm getting, Aaron? I is think so. I mean, yeah, okay. Is that what Aaron's trying to argue? Yeah, sure. What are you trying to <laughs> We're trying to find personal anecdotes for the podcast related to playing <laughs> both sides. <laughs> so did we play the inside and the outside? You can just say yes and that would be okay. Sure. David says we were. So David was the insider that we got our confirmation yeah, from. He was... Okay. <laughs> so according to David, we, we did play both sides pretty well. Yeah, there, there, there you go. There you go, listen. There it is. I know you don't tune into this. 
to uh, hear us actually talk about the movie <laughs> like we did this week because yeah. Uh, otherwise, I don't know why you're still listening at this point. No. Now you're gonna get to this new episode and be like, "Whoa, they're actually structured and they talk about the movie, about the film, and... and they still tell anecdotes." We do both here on here. We can talk mm-hmm. about how Aaron. Um, I'm not gonna say that. That <laughs> never really? mind. Never mind. It's not even a real story. It was just something I was gonna say, and then I realized it's no. <laughs> not gonna say it. Well, now I need, kind of need to know. No, you don't. I'm <laughs> I'm building it up too much. It was nothing. Um, but yeah, Aaron, would you consider yourself like a Clint Eastwood type? In what way? Like, would you yell at a chair? <laughs> I would definitely like, yell like, at a chair. Like when the Trump administration's done, if we're all still here, would you look at a chair? And would you yell at it like it was President Trump? <laughs> I think no, because I'd rather have the empty chair. You know? Yeah, okay. I got you. Guys, if no one knows what we're referencing, just <laughs> just look up Clint Eastwood just, in chair. I, like, I don't know if this is like a big thing that people know or not. Or if it's just like, I know it because my parents would always watch the Republican National Convention. And like, I feel like this is a big thing in pop culture that I talk to this empty chair. I, I don't know if that's just my like skewed perspective <laughs> because I actually live in a household that would watch the Republican National Convention. Now, I knew about it because SNL did a parody of it. They did, like, Bill Hader playing Clint Eastwood, like, going on tour with the chair. <laughs> so, it was Clint Eastwood and chair. Um, so, that's the only reason I knew about it. And then I actually watched the video and I was like, oh, he looks out of his mind. So, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. There we go. he's going to be acting in his new movie? Oh, God. What's his new it's, movie? It's, it's something about, like, a... Like an old person who gets into like the drug trade or something, so he's playing like this eighty-year-old drug dealer or hmm, something. That seems unrealistic. <laughs> I don't know. Wait. I feel like it's based on a true story. I mean, that's like all he does. That's true. Does he? Did he direct Gran Torino? Yeah. So that would be the last time he's acted in his own movie, I guess. Right. Right. But he's gonna do it again. So. 15, Which, 15, 17 one, to Paris. On the one side I'm excited about because I'm excited to see him on screen again, but also I think Gran Torino is a pretty good send-off yeah. for him as like a screen icon because he doesn't... Gran Torino is very much a Western in like the same way. He's like basically playing the same character as he is in A Fistful of Dollars. Right. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't need to keep being in movies. That seems mean to say, but at the same time, it's like, dude. I'm just, like, he he has reached the point where his, like, legacy is cemented. Yeah. And Gran Torino was, like, a good send-off for that. Where it's like, even when he came back for Trouble with the Curve, which oh, I haven't God. seen. But it's like, what are you doing? Why, why are you making your last film credit this weird baseball movie? Like, that apparently sucks. What? <laughs> so 
So I'm I'm at least glad that that's no longer going to be his last film. Yeah, but. yeah. Maybe he's going to make it like a really good send off, but maybe he's going to lean too into it. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be like, oh, this is my my legacy. It's all like it's too much. Oof. But that being said, this is the I guess he didn't direct a fistful of dollars. That was before his directing no. days. So I've still only seen one Clint Eastwood movie. One that he's directing? Yeah. Then I got Million Dollar Baby on my shelf, so I want to watch that too. But Oh no, I've seen Invictus. That was a Clint Eastwood movie. Oh god, that's a that's a rough one. I don't even know that it's rough. It's just like why all of is this his a movies movie? are rough. Like he he literally does like everything in one take. Fake baby or no? You know? Yeah, it turns out good sometimes. Like apparently, it, it, no, it, it, he makes it work. He makes it work. There's like a there's like a looseness looseness to it that's very similar to like the looseness in A Fistful of Dollars, where it's like you can kind of like see the seams of the movie showing, but yeah. you're just like having such a blast that you're like, yeah, I I, I can deal with this, you know. Also a composer, I guess. Good for him. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, where, anyway. Are you, where are you ranking this, Aaron? Uh, I have this ranked 30th. 30th. Uh, behind Blazing Saddles, ahead mm. of the fly. Well, this is, uh, again, another difference that we have. I have this ranked number 12, behind mm. Rear Window, ahead of The Devil's Backbone. Um. Mm. Again, that might change, because some of these movies I need to rewatch before I can really fully appreciate them, I think. Where with A Fistful of Dollars, I'm like, heck yeah, had such a good time, a lot of fun, um, excited to watch more in the series, so. Uh, we will. And we will also watch Yojimbo, which is the Japanese film this was based on, oh, like okay. unofficially based on. Like so. this specific movie, then. Yeah. Okay. So that will be interesting when we get to it. Because now looking at it, I'm like, why did I put both of these on the list? They're the same movie. But, <laughs> you know, we watched both of them in my Western film class. So we're going to watch both of them now. Yeah. At, at I, a am, later date. I am reading the description for Yojimbo, and it is the same movie. <laughs> it, no, it's. I, I, I'm telling you, it's literally the same movie. So just be prepared for that. Okay. We need to watch it later then. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we will. Okay. All right. So do we want to say what we're doing next week? Uh, next week, and this is kind of a weird connection, but we have Action Point coming out. Oh. So I thought, what if we watch The Raid 2? Because then we're just, like, doing these weird stunts again, you know? Hell yeah. All right, I'm down. So that's what we're going to do. Are the you Raid excited? For... It's been a while since we watched The Raid. Raid. Yeah, it was early in the list. Are you excited for Action Point, though, Aaron? A little bit. A little bit. Me too. Dude, I've been saying this for a while. Jackass needs a resurgence. Because it's just like... Yeah, it's dumb. But at the same time, it's like... Yeah, it's entertaining. No one's getting hurt, except for the people who, you know, are getting hurt. Anyway... So, Raid 2. I'm excited. This is the movie that everyone talks about when they talk about the greatest action film of all time. 
Yeah, we'll see what you think. I hope I'm not disappointed because the first one I was like, this good, one but... has a story. So good. that was your hangup. <laughs> good, good, good. A story. Good. I would like that. I would. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So if you want to find us around the web, you can find Lacey at Jake underscore Lace on Twitter. Find him at Jake Lace on Tumblr. If you want to find David, the insider with the, the knowledge. That, <laughs> if, if you want more insider knowledge from uh, David, you can find him on Twitter at dbex15. Uh, dbex with two S's. If you want to find me around the web, you can find me at littleflamedude on Twitter. You can find me at this cover blog name is already taken. .tumblr.com Hopefully, I will get back to actually publishing things mm. on there soon. Because mm. I've seen a lot of movies that have not gotten those reviews out there for. Are I might gonna... just do like a quick like recap thing and write like a few paragraphs about all the films that I missed in the in-between. And then nice. we'll see. I don't know. Uh, are you going to start your full court press? <laughs> uh, maybe. Are you, you going to plug it in and boot it up? Um, I have assuming uh, full court press is when it's like a panini press, but like a full, it's a huge one. It takes up a full football court. I'm done. <laughs> we know sports. That's why we were the insiders in high school. We were the insiders. We knew all the sports. We played both teams. <laughs> That's not how sports work either. You can't you can't play both teams. Yeah, sure you can. Why not? The, you now here's the thing. I don't know if you knew this about sports. If you change your jersey in the middle of the game, legally they are not allowed to say you're not on that team. So that's why yeah. that's why in that's football it. that's why in football games a lot of times uh, you'll see people in the NFL take their jerseys off and put the other team's jersey on and move to the other side of the field. Uh, so that way they can be on the winning team. That doesn't sound right, but I don't know enough about sports to refute it. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Alright, see you guys next week. Until then, don't think it. Don't say it. Bye-bye, man. Bye-bye.